0: In recent weeks, the ACLU of Missouri and a host of other advocacy groups have warned about the potential for a COVID-19 outbreak in local jails and prisons. They've called on state and local officials to take urgent steps. Some jurisdictions have begun to release people who are in jail awaiting trial. The state's public defender, Mary Fox, explained to our producer, Evie Hemphill, last week why those detainees should be the top priority.
1: You're in jail for one of two reasons. You've received a sentence on a misdemeanor or a municipal ordinance violation. Both of those are low level, non-dangerous crimes, and the sentence can never be longer than a year. So if someone is sitting in jail right now on a sentence of less than a year, I think it is it behooves us as a society to get them out of jail, to get them away from the danger of being in an environment where if the virus gets into that environment, their uh, possibility of catching it is very high and get them back into their homes where they can shelter in place like the rest of us. And as far as the folks who are pre trial, we have to think about, you know, why are they in jail? Has there been a finding that they are dangerous to the community? Has there been a finding that they will not show up for court? And is that that dangerousness finding outweigh the danger that we are putting them in by having them remain in that environment? You know, the the virus has already gotten into Rikers Island. I think 51 different folks have been diagnosed with it there. And all of the the experts have said that if it gets into a jail environment, that it will spread like a wildfire, that it's an incubator for the virus. So we are, in essence, putting people who either are serving a low-level sentence or who have not been convicted of anything, who are simply awaiting their chance to have their trial in a position where they could be facing a death sentence if the virus gets into the jail where they are held.
0: That's Missouri Public Defender Mary Fox. Now, last week, the city of St. Louis and St. Louis County reported that they'd released a combined 140 people who were in their jail systems, and they continue to assess others. But state prisons are a much different story. And joining me to talk about this important issue is Sarah Baker. She's the policy director of the ACLU of Missouri. So, Sarah, welcome to the program. Thanks, Sarah. Good to be here. So St. Louis City, St. Louis County, they've both taken action to reduce the population of people awaiting trial and and doing these low-level offenses that Mary Fox talked about. That drew some backlash. It sounds like the state attorney general is not happy. Why do you see that as a really good step?
2: It's a really good first step. So jails, as Mary pointed out, should be doing their utmost to make sure that they are both upholding public safety and that they are making sure that they um, protect the health and well-being of individuals that are effectively within their care. We think it's a really good first step what St. Louis City and St. Louis County is doing to get down their jail population. And they're not alone. When we look at the jail statistics across the state of Missouri, we're seeing some small decreases actually across our state as well as people get prepared um, for the pandemic. Although I'm very concerned that it's coming too late and we have a situation that's going to turn from dangerous with these cramped conditions to really disastrous for Missouri.
0: So in terms of of other counties and, and cities throughout the state, who do you see currently um, being proactive in trying to reduce their population? When we're looking at the numbers
2: uh, alone, we can look to Boone, for example. Boone County has their jail population down by 11 Mm -hmm. percent. St. Louis County took the biggest drop at 14 percent. And St. Louis City and Green and Jackson are at relatively the same level of um, dropping jail populations. And those have been a bit more incremental.
0: Now, Mary Fox, um, who we heard from earlier, she leads the Missouri Public Defender Office. She told us early last week that these piecemeal releases simply aren't enough. She'd like to see the Missouri Supreme Court take action.
1: Well, you know, we can go about it person by person with a, uh, an analysis of each individual person who is sitting in jail. The question is, do we have the time and do we have the manpower to accomplish that? I know that prosecutors in our region have worked together with the public defenders in our region and the courts to try to identify people who they will all agree should be released. There's many other people that the defense attorneys are requesting to be released that uh, there's not been an agreement on. And that's where I would like to see the Supreme Court come in and use their supervisory powers to say, hey, at this moment in time, in the middle of this pandemic, this health emergency, the likes of which we have never seen before, it's time for us to take some action and provide protection to these people who are sitting in jail, either on low level sentences or a pre-trial, not convicted of anything. So I like the individual action where the attorneys for the individual, um, inmates are taking, are working to try to get the people released. But I'd like, also like to see a, a more broader action by our court system so that we can move forward more quickly.
0: And again, that's Mary Fox, the Missouri State Public Defender. Sarah Baker, do you see the court forcing this issue in a more systemic way when it comes to these county jails? Well, I certainly hope the Missouri Supreme Court will take action, but I think they've
2: largely deferred to local officials, and that's the same thing we're seeing from our state government leaders with Governor Parson. Um, What we really need, and I couldn't agree with Mary Moore on this, is a more systemic view of what's happening. We've got over 29,000 people in Missouri prisons. Mm -hmm. Um, We need a comprehensive evaluation of who should be there and who shouldn't be there. And even on a national level, Attorney General um, William Barr has has directed the state or directed the federal prisons rather to look at home supervision as an option. And even President Trump has said that he would consider um, some elder parole provisions as well. So this can be a very bipartisan
0: issue, but it has to be something that's done at a wider scale than just deferring to county by county by county. So we've seen these counties make these reductions 11 percent, 14 percent. Are we seeing that happen when it comes to the state prison where they're making even these smaller reductions?
2: Yeah, we absolutely are not seeing that happen at the state level. It's um, appeared to be sort of a game of wait and see. Now, the the uh, Missouri prison system and the Department of Corrections is taking strides to try to protect the health and safety of both the individuals who work in the prisons and the individuals who are incarcerated in the prison. But we don't see actual releases happening and making sure that people who are elderly, who are immunocompromised, who are there simply because of um, parole violations, are getting to go home during this time. And this is a very different environment for a person to try to survive a pandemic in. You can't get the space you need from other individuals. You often can't get the supply You need to make sure that you're staying as safe as possible. And so we need a comprehensive evaluation and make sure that some of those people are getting out of the prison system and into places where they can shelter in place.
0: Now, you'd raise this issue in a letter to Missouri state officials when it comes to the state prison system. What kind of response did that letter get? There hasn't been a response yet in terms of actual actions taken
2: to reduce the populations that we've seen in state prisons. So we certainly await that response and we'll continue to put pressure on on state officials to make sure that that happens. Because again, I think what we're headed for in Missouri, if we don't act, is a very dangerous situation for people who are in the state's custody.
0: Do you get the sense from more informal conversations or responses that people are working on this and they're just not ready for a formal response yet? Or is that not the impression you have. I get the sense that there are individuals
2: who are working very hard within the administration, but I get the sense that this is not a priority issue for them. Um, Mm. And, That is highly problematic because this is a huge group of people that we're talking about. And they're not just numbers and um, different data points that we could discuss ad nauseum. These are people with lives and families on the outside. They've already been kept away from having their families visit at all in light of um, public health concerns. But, you know, these are individuals like Patty Pruitt, who there's a documentary coming out about her. um, I think actually it's already been released about someone who's probably been wrongfully convicted of her crime. And there are other individuals there, too, for similar circumstances. And so often the drivers of incarceration in Missouri is no different, really has to deal with technical violations of probation and parole. And we have to, when we're measuring getting people out of prison, look at if a danger is actually presented to the community or not. And if not, we have to really question why is that person in
1: prison?
0: I believe it was your letter that noted that over half of Missouri's prison admissions are due to these technical violations. So these are not murderers for the most part. These are people with low-level offenses who've managed to not follow the terms of their release. Is is that correct? Well, actually, Governor Parson himself in a piece he did for a time,
2: um, I believe last summer, cited the Council of State Government's Justice Center, which showed that 45% of state prison admissions nationwide are the result of technical violations. And over half of the admissions in Missouri are indeed from those technical um, violations or some new crimes on probation and parole. um, And that number can be broken down further. But by and large, um, that is a major driver of our incarceration system.
0: You mentioned that Governor Parson himself had had been writing about that facet of um, prison reform for Time magazine. So is he overall uh, sympathetic to this idea that fewer people should be behind bars? What's, what's going on with that? I think
2: we've seen um, sort of two sides to Governor Parson. There's Governor Parson during this pandemic where we've seen inaction when it comes to Missouri's incarceration rate and evaluation of um, who should be in prison and what we can do to reduce the prison population around the pandemic. And then we've also seen Governor Parson work as a as a reformer before on some criminal justice issues statewide, including a reduction of mandatory minimums. So we're kind of seeing two split responses here. And I would just urge the governor to to consider what we can be doing in this time of, of crisis to make sure that the health and well-being of all Missourians is protected. And that
0: includes
2: looking at the prison system and seeing what we can do to make sure that individuals who don't belong there get home.
0: We're talking to Sarah Baker. She's the policy director of the ACLU of Missouri. And we're talking about the issue of people um, in Missouri County jails, as well as in the Missouri state prison system um, during this pandemic that we're in the middle of. We did hear from some listeners. We actually heard from a lot of listeners um, who are very concerned about this issue. I want to read a couple of the responses we got. Uh, Demika Williams writes, my husband is in the St. Charles County jail. His court date was pushed back due to the virus. We have three kids ages 12. 12, 6, and 8 months. I really hope he gets out because I really need help with my kids. And he is the only family my kids and I have. Courtney McCard writes, This has been terrifying for everyone, and people deserve to be with their families during this time of the unknown. Prisons are overcrowded and unsanitary with terrible medical care. You have to put in a request and could be waiting for days, and they will be an incubator for this virus. Why are we waiting for this virus to take more lives? Why would the governor's and president's orders to avoid groups of 10 or more not apply to inmates? My husband is serving eight months on top of the four months waiting in county over a technical parole violation. He deserves to come home safely to his wife and kids. Mr. Parson lacks the compassion a leader needs. Inmates are people with families. They are fathers, mothers, husbands, and wives, etc. Yes, please let them go. Sarah, that's hearing from people who are directly affected by this, who have a loved one in jail, but I know there's also a flip side of this. Um, There may be people who don't have a loved one in jail and who feel very strongly that these people have done the crime they should be doing the time. If people don't care about the actual inmates, why should they care about whether or not there's a coronavirus outbreak within the jail? Well, I think...
2: Beyond looking at the personal stories and the very real impact that this has on Missouri families and the complicated factors that underlie every single case when you look in the Missouri Department of Corrections, I think you have to recognize that what happens in the Missouri Department of Corrections can be a microcosm for what happens elsewhere in Missouri. You know, prisons don't operate in isolation. Prisons are in interaction with law enforcement. Prisons are in interaction with prison guards and other staff who work in those facilities as well. So if we don't make sure that we have a comprehensive response to what's happening in Missouri's correctional facilities, we're asking not only to put a population that's in our care at significant risk and, um, you know, deprive them of some of the ability to seek health that we are seeking in our own homes right now. We also have to look to what can happen to the outside community if you allow a virus like this to spread in prison. It's not going to stay in prison exclusively.
0: Hmm. So these are not sealed environments. There's other people, not inmates, who are going in and out of them. Well, even when you're looking
2: at the Missouri Department of Corrections websites and you get EBS, Uh, updates, rather, on what's happening in the correctional facilities and if staff has tested positive, et cetera. You see very low numbers now, but what we do see is um, occasional cases of staff popping up, especially in these past few days um, on the probation parole side and then one facility staff member as well. And so I think we're already seeing the progression that this can come into the prison system through individuals who work there, and it can also leave the prison system through individuals who work there. So uh, whether or not you are sympathetic to the cause of individuals who are elderly, who are immunocompromised, who are there on very minor violations, as some of your listeners have brought up, whether or not you are sympathetic to their cause, you have to recognize that what happens to them will
0: affect you too. Do we know if there are any confirmed cases within the Missouri system at this point? there uh, is one case of an I, I think you're asking
2: about offenders there's one case of an offender who did test positive for the virus. That individual has not been in the correctional facility for a period of time now though they were um, hospitalized and they were isolated prior to that from the um, other individuals in that correctional facility.
0: Okay so we know there was one at this point. Um, are we aware of any guards or anybody else who's sort of going in and out of the facilities who who we believe has this? Um, there. So my
2: understanding from the Department of Corrections is that they did have a one individual staff member um, who did test positive. However, that individual hadn't been in the facility for a longer period of time. Um, and then they have had some probation parole staff who have tested positive.
0: It's not widespread yet, but that's mm-hmm. the thing with a pandemic. You have to act early because if you wait, it's often too late. And we, it sounds like we're seeing that in other states um, and other prison systems at this point. It is, it is beginning to spread really quickly quickly through, uh, I think, in New York and and some of these other systems. Right. And other prisons uh, and other states have taken significant
2: actions to try to get down the number of individuals who are incarcerated within their facilities so that they can create more space as well and better protect public health. You see that in Iowa and in Georgia Mm -hmm. um, with individuals considering clemency and then in Iowa considering uh, quicker releases for people who are already approved for parole and moving that forward in the process so that we can get those numbers down and try to keep as many people safe as possible.
0: We got another email from a listener. Uh, Carrie Kowieski writes, we are conditioned to believe that anyone in jail deserves to be there, but many people in local jails have not had the constitutional right to a trial. They are simply there because they are poor and can't pay bail, but they have not been proven guilty of anything. And others who have been convicted of nonviolent crimes or are sick or elderly should be released so they can access soap and medical care, which are often minimally available at best when you are in jail or prisons. Not to mention the fact that physical distancing is impossible when locked in a cage with other cellmates. This is cruel and unusual punishment. That's from our listener, Carrie Kowieski. Um, Sarah Baker, who would need to take action on a state level to see something happen? We've talked about possibly the Missouri Supreme Court getting involved, but um, is there there a particular agency, is this something that would have to come directly from the governor in order to see um, releases happening in the state system?
2: Certainly these releases would need his support. So Governor Parson is one individual that if you're concerned about this issue and you want to make sure that um, individual inmates are getting consideration and that we have a systemic response to what will happen in the Missouri Department of Corrections, uh, his office is certainly one uh, that individuals should be engaging with. Uh, the Missouri Department of Corrections as well with Director Precythe and, um, and Probation and Parole, the board overall, should be engaged in this process going forward so that we can make sure that individuals who are there um, for technical violations are getting uh, immediate consideration.
0: So how big a problem is this, do you think, if we continue to do nothing? I think right
2: now, we have a very limited window of time where we could take action and intervene and make sure that we're protecting Missouri families um, who have individuals who are incarcerated in the Missouri Correctional System. But I think if we're still having this conversation two weeks from today, um, we will have had significant loss. And I think that that can be avoided if we take the precautions we need to take now. We can uphold public safety and we can also uphold the dignity and humanity of those who are incarcerated by making sure that they have a safe response to this pandemic
1: too.
0: Well, Sarah Baker, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Sarah. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.